welcome to this edition of Labor Vision. I'm Bob Delaney, Executive Director of the Institute for Labor Studies and Research. Labor Vision, a production of the Institute, focuses on topics of importance to working Rhode Islanders. We hope you enjoy this edition. Welcome to this edition of Labor Vision. I'm Bob Delaney. Uh, we're looking forward to having a conversation in this Labor Vision show, both Erica Hammond and I, who will be co-hosting it, with Michael Perrick. Michael is the CEO of the Student Resource Center for the Free College Program that has been offered across the United States for organized labor. Um, I know that Michael and I have been working together for more than 10 years around the issue of the concept of being able to offer affordable college. And Michael went one step further to make it available to everybody in organized labor who has um, a desire to have themselves or a family member involved. And at the Institute, anybody who is involved in our programs also have that pathway to a free college program. Michael, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Bob. Pleasure to be with you this afternoon. I'm really looking forward to the conversation about how this all started because it has been tremendously successful, successful, Michael, and I, I, I give you much credit for having the concept and being able to carry it through through, I know, some difficult times. Well, Bob, as you know, you and uh, George Nee were a lot of the inspiration for this. Uh, well over a, a decade ago, you um, helped me think about uh, a business model, which was really ar around how did you, could you bring affordable uh, college to, to uh, members of unions? And one of the things about unions and their families is they are easy to market to. You know who they are, you know how to reach them. And that's one of the biggest challenges that exists in uh, education is how do you find your student? And uh, some institutions, both, both big public and private institutions, will spend tens of millions of dollars being able to acquire students, places like Purdue or places like Arizona State. And obviously, we know the University of Phoenix and places like that have these enormous marketing budgets just to acquire their students. And the problem with spending that type of money is then you have to turn around and charge a lot of tuition to get a return on the investment that you made in marketing. Um, the genius, I think, of what we've been able to accomplish with the, with the union movement, um, the inspiration for which I think came from our early discussions, is that we've been able to access their distribution channel at no cost. And that allows us to get a lot of good students who we then are able, through our business model, to, to um, get them through an education program with nothing coming out of their pockets. I know, Michael, that you know, the programs, the free college program, have grown from an associate's degree and now with a bachelor's degree. And I find it interesting that many of the organ trades, the building trades within their apprenticeship training program, they have included an associate's degree. And it tends to be an associate's degree um, in applied science. So it's a combination of courses that they have to take in apprenticeship plus related college courses. And I know that you've been able to pull all of that together and that um, particularly at the associate's degree level, you've been able to award college credit to anybody um, in a apprenticeship training program or an industry recognized training program, such as correctional officers. Can we talk about right. that? 
Yes, correctional office is one of our one of our biggest uh, markets. Um, we've been very fortunate with the ASME unions across the country, but we started with corre uh, correctional officers in a big way in the state of uh, Ohio, head of the civil service union out there, a fellow named Chris Mabe is a former correctional services officer, and he worked out a very innovative uh, arrangement with the state government. So when you go for your first day at the Corrections Academy, uh, you are encouraged to enroll in your union. At, on the spot, you're also encouraged to enroll in this program. And the corrections department uh, in their own, out of basic good self-interest and good public policy uh, have promoted this. Uh, one of the things that the goals of the correctional officers have is to make sure people are not spending their entire career on a cell block because the actuarial tables tell you that if you spend your entire career on a cell block, whether that's in Rhode Island or whether that's in Ohio, um, you will not live very long once you retire. So they what they wanna do is make sure that they have a trained, skilled, educated workforce where there can be an easy transition into a career, say in the parole service or in community policing, something like that. So right from the beginning, they the Department of uh, Corrections in conjunction with the Ohio Civil Service Union have been working to um, promote education for correctional officers from, from day one. And they take it a step further uh, by creating within the institution, and I know this is something that's near and dear to you, um, and it, uh, an environment where people can learn together and can be supported together. Uh, one of the things I learned from you many, many years ago was that online education is fine in its place, but it is going to be a lot more effective if you can create environments where people can gather together and they may be doing their own individual work, but because they're there with fellow coworkers and they get a, some mentoring from, uh, uh, from people in their, in their union, that encourages them to persist and to, com and to complete. Uh, you taught me that lesson back in, when I first met you and I had a lot more hair and your hair is darker. <laughs> I, I find it interesting that still today we're looking at making a transition for many people. And I know at the Institute, we have a teacher education, sorry, a teacher assistant training program and that we've been looking with the people who complete our teacher assistant training program, both those who have a degree and those who don't and those who have some college courses and I know, Erica, you've been working with those students for a long time, helping mm -hmm. them do the transition. Do you have any observations that you have about the importance of even somebody in a teacher assistant training program getting that opportunity to become, or to join a path to becoming a teacher or a, an educator at another level? Yeah, absolutely. It seems like when I was helping with our teacher assistant program, a lot of the individuals who would uh, come into the program either as TAs or looking to who have been working as TAs or who are looking to be TAs, um, sometimes they'll ask, is this a career choice that I can move forward and maybe continue my education? It's also a perfectly great career if you want to stay. Um, as a TA, but it is interesting to see how many individuals come in asking how they can then proceed and continue their education. And it's really exciting when we say yes. And if you go through this program, 
at the Institute, you can actually continue this education with us as well um, at no cost, which is really, really cool and really exciting because it el already eliminates an added barrier for these individuals because as someone who will be in debt from college for quite some time, uh, it would have been awesome if that barrier was eliminated at the start. Yeah, and I think that's really important. I think that's really important to recognize that um, one of the more, more valuable pieces is that you're not carrying a heavy student loan debt for years into the future. It doesn't limit that student loan debt doesn't limit the kind of things that you can do 10 years out. Um, I think it's really important to recognize too, Michael, that um, when we talked about it, our teacher assistants can go into an early childhood education program that um, we're looking at getting college credit for our TA industry certification so that there really is this pathway. But talking about the pathway, Michael, how many people are involved in the program in that pathway? Because I think I'm more amazed every day you tell me how many people are involved. Well, in, in, in total right now, we have in the two-year program uh, 40,000 students. We expect that that is going to grow to 42,000 by the time the, the next session opens next month. And in our four-year program, which is, is still really in its first year of um, operation, uh, they will surpass 4,000. So we, we are going to have 45, 46,000 people in this program, which is a which is a sizable educational uh, initiative in, in, a, in, a, in a relatively short period of time. And I, we were talking a second ago about the barriers, the, especially the financial barriers. And I think one reason that we've been successful is that we have eliminated those barriers completely. Um, one of the th things that strikes me about our population, about those 45,000 individuals, is about 70% of them are female. And they tend to be older, uh, is, which is a relative term. We're not talking 18, 19 year olds. We're talking people in their late 20s, their 30s and their 40s. And a lot of them are mothers. And one of the things about um, women is they are making sacrifices when they have kids all the time and making trade-offs all the time, usually to the benefit of their children. And the, many of the people we talked to, many of the people who are in this program, knew that they needed to go back to school, knew, to, knew that if they were paraprofessional, they would like to end up being a teacher or they, need, they were working in a, uh, as a school bus driver and they really were good at IT and thought they could make that transition into, the, into another job in the school system. So they've known it, but even the most affordable community college programs when you add on the cost of books, you are talking about spending three, four thousand uh, dollars out of a family budget. Well, these families don't have it. Forty percent of the uh, people in the uh, union movement are Pell eligible. That's an astounding statistic. Um, and it, and when you kind of draw the net a little longer, you've got 60, 70% of people who are effectively the working poor in our country. So what we've been able to do is let people go back to school without feeling that they are taking something away from their family, um, even if it's only a few thousand dollars, because to them, that is a fortune. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's the, 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 
thought behind it is that Pell eligibility pretty much tells you that that population in particular are looking for every avenue to be able to finance their future career. And that, you know, you have people who will help people fill in and complete their FAFSA so that they can find out if they're Pell eligible and if so, how much. And I think that it's important for people to realize that um, from the time that you take them in and gather their information, there is somebody who will hold their hand through the whole process right from the time that they enroll, they complete the FAFSA, and your student advisors will be there for their whole career. And it's really important as well to know how you encourage individuals who enroll to kind of work through as a cohort. And so people within the same union could actually be working as a study group, completing the work, somebody is supporting them, and they can graduate together. Well, I think that's really important what you just touched on about helping people through the whole process. If I have a criticism of many existing community colleges, brick and mortar environments, is they're almost like self-serve. They expect people to come and figure it all, all out for themselves. Um, I have friends who are very well educated, but have them tell you the stories of filling out a FAFSA for their kids. It's a complex exercise. Yeah. And I know you know that because of the work you've, you've done in financial aid. So for many people that we serve, uh, just getting through the paperwork of it, learning how to do something, getting high school transcripts, that's not always easy. What happens if your high school was shut down? How, how, do, you, how do you deal with that? So we're there to use your phrase, to hold their hand through the process. We think that's, um, that's reflective of not only the good participation rates we get at the beginning, but also the good participation rates we get at the end of the day when we're able to um, uh, get people to um, uh, persist and to continue with their education and get to the point of graduation. I know, Erica, your involvement in the program has been absolutely critical at the Institute and the work that Fatima and Haley have been doing is critical in that. Do you have any comments, observations, or questions for Michael? You're closer to university age, a whole lot closer than Michael and I are. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you still carry that college debt, and that's a big piece. Yeah. So do you have any observations or questions for Michael? So I have an observation and a question. My first observation would be just from what you were both talking about, that having that person help you assist you through that process in the beginning is in itself eliminating another barrier for people. Because with me, even though I, um, I still love my advisor from, um, from UMass Dartmouth where I went, I, she was great, she was very helpful, but I didn't see her until I already started going to UMass. So I didn't actually have any help aside from my dad and I trying to figure out how to work through and navigate FAFSA and all of the loan process. And that was hard. And it's frustrating now to look back and say, wow, we did it wrong. And we could have probably helped ourselves out in the future a little bit better had we known better. Because I was the first person that he helped with one of those. Um, so even that would, is an incredible barrier to be able to eliminate for people. My question would be for individuals who, not necessarily individuals who have come through our program, who we're able to help and show the ropes, but for individuals who are watching this who are union members, 
what advice would you give them if they were interested in taking part in this? Aside from probably reaching out to their union um, person first, um, how can they get involved in this? Well, the, the great thing is that they can talk to, we have folks on probably 18 hours a day who are able to talk to them and share the experiences of, of other people. So I think the first thing is don't be afraid to ask a question to see if this is the right program for you. Uh, again, um, don't be afraid to just get started. You don't have to necessarily make a commitment for you know, four years of your life but you can make a commitment to take a, a course or two and get started. I know this is one of the things, again, we learned from, from Bob many, many years ago, was Bob ran programs uh, to encourage people to take, I believe it was a psychology course. And it, the purpose was to get people to build up their confidence level that they could succeed with a college course. And that's what we're all about. We're all about trying to build people's confidence level up that they can get started. Uh, we're very careful of trying to get people to understand what it means to go back to school because it is a time commitment. Even though we take the barrier, hopefully of money away, and hopefully we take the barrier of the complexity of the process away, you're still left with the fact that if you're going to take a couple of courses, you're gonna end up staying up a, an extra hour or two at night to get your work done or giving up your Sunday afternoon to do that. We wanna make sure people understand that and don't get themselves, don't get uh, ahead, you know, uh, take on too much. It's a little right. bit like going back to the gym. If you try to do it too intensively, you will end up probably failing and giving it up. But if you start your exercise program in a moderate way and scale up from there, that works out a lot. That works out a lot better. Right. I want to thank you, Michael. I know that we're coming near the end of the program. Um, and what we will do is as we um, complete the editing of this Labor Vision show, we can put the website down as well as a telephone number, but Excellent. probably even more importantly, the website so that they can go directly to a link and that will start the process because I know um, that you will hold their hand, maybe not Mike Perrick in particular, but somebody involved in the whole process will hold their hand from the time that they make that initial contact until they graduated. And I know from the experience of having some of our people completed the program and working with you and working with Tim and your staff, um, you do a very good job at that. And I wanna thank you for that. Well, you're, you're kind and we always remember our roots in Rhode Island and all the good advice and help that we've gotten over the years from you and George Nee. And um, we uh, just hope that this is the beginning of a of an even longer and more expansive working relationship. Thanks, Michael. Erica, I want to thank you for joining us as a co-host and, and a participant. Again, um, Labor Vision is possible because of the hard work of a, of a large staff, but I really need to thank Erica. She's the prime mover of keeping this program successful when we went online as opposed to just our weekly show. Michael, I want to thank you again for your commitment to labor, to your commitment for the free college program. Um, I consider you both a friend and a knowledgeable individual that will guarantee success for the people that really want to enroll in your program. 
I want to thank everybody for joining us. I look forward to your questions. We will give you the telephone number and the website that you can contact directly. And I look forward to you getting enrolled in this program. Thank you and good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Labor Vision. We appreciate your input and encourage your comments. Labor Vision can be seen on this channel three times each week, Tuesday at 7 p.m., Thursday at 8 p.m., and Saturday at 5 p.m.